All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you here from New York City on the 25th day of April 2017. Uh, I'd like to remind you each and every week that I'm also the author of a newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and you can subscribe to that by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. Uh, and also I'd like to encourage you to consider subscribing to Chen Lin's excellent newsletter. You can go to chenpicks.com to do that, chenpicks.com. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and I do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Uh, starting with a new sponsor today, Genesis Metals Corp. is is joining us today. It's a company with a very interesting and I think potentially very large deposit, gold deposit, in the Abitibi Greenstone Belt in Quebec. And uh, a new entry into my newsletter, a company that I've just recently started covering, uh, and one that you'll be hearing from on this show sometime in the near future. Other sponsors for today that make this show economically viable... Dinosert Inc., Arvista Gold Corp., Trimetals Mining, Telson Resources, RN Resources, Novo Resources, and Uranium Energy Corp. Before we get started with today's show, I should tell you that I have posted some interesting interviews at J. Taylor Media. You know, there's just not enough time on this show to, uh, to pass along these companies that I think are very, very valuable, potentially very valuable, and have lots of upside potential. Uh, Brian Ostroff, uh, I interviewed Brian. Uh, he's the CEO of a very unique uh, company that's producing, uh, that will soon, we think, uh, well, at least they've gone through a feasibility study, a phosphate project in Quebec uh, that looks uh, as if it should uh, do extremely well for those who invest in the stock now. Uh, Brian Ostroff, you can listen to that at jtaylormedia.com as well. Yesterday, I interviewed John Kaiser who has several very exciting investment ideas in the uh, in the mineral sector. Uh, he talked about Camino Minerals, which has been on a tear, has pulled back some today, but a copper discovery in Peru. A, another company called Scandium International, a uh, very unique company, Adamera Minerals and SK Mining Corp. Those are all some that John talked about. You can get his insights into those companies by going to jtaylormedia.com. And uh, John also has another a very interesting project that he's working on. He's going to be creating an investment community in which uh, technical people provide information about companies um, that they are involved with in one way or another. This is to help people like uh, well people like me who aren't geologists or technical people uh, to have a better handle on uh, the technical aspects, the risks, and the rewards inherent in these very early 
stage exploration stories. So I think that's another thing that John's working on, and he talks about that as well at J. Taylor Media. I've titled today's show, Savvy Investment Ideas from the Bible, and Peter Granich, Ralph Fitch, and Michael Oliver return as guests. Well, conventional wisdom in the Western world these days is that the Bible is a book of fairy tales with very little for anyone of sound mind, uh, very, va- very little value of anyone for sound, from, of sound mind. But the Bible does talk a lot about money and finance more than almost any other topic. And so I'm wondering, might there not be some good old-fashioned advice from the Bible for investors in uh, for investors in a world that is really drunk and running amok with endless amounts of money created out of thin air? Might there not be a connection between the growing economic problems the world is facing and the fairy tales, not from the Bible, but from the likes of John Maynard Keynes and his disciples at Harvard, Princeton, and Yale? Might there not be a connection between the growing economic woes of the global economy and the Keynesian notion that money can be and should be created endlessly out of thin air, even though that process is in fact theft of property by government and central banks? We'll we'll explore some of those ideas uh, with the former Wall Street whiz kid, Peter Grandich, uh, as well as uh, seek Peter's views on the current runaway stock and bond markets, and uh, joining me in a few mark in a few minutes, after our first commercial break, Ralph Fitch, the president and CEO of TriMetals Mining, it's a company that is in the process of outlining a multi-million ounce gold project that straddles state lines uh, of Nevada and Utah. TriMetals has been actively drilling and exploring and building up its resources, and it's my understanding the numbers are, are improving, the average grades are improving, ready, a very robust preliminary economic study, but it looks like Ralph and his team are building up an even more valuable company right now. Well, before we go any further, though, right now, to help us keep our feet firmly planted on solid ground, the always reliable and almost always accurate Michael Oliver is with me to talk about the dollar, which is breaking below some key levels, and and what that might mean for the precious metals and other markets. So thank you so much for being with me again, Michael. Hi, Jake. Good good to be back, Jake. Good. Always always good to have you with uh, with me, uh, that uh, reassuring voice that I hear uh, from you down there in uh, North Carolina or South Carolina, wherever it is that you're at today. (laughs) North Carolina, okay, that's that's closer to New York, that's better. and I should tell our listeners, again, as I like to every week, it's OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com to learn more about Michael's work. Well, Michael, you have been looking for a dollar close in the dollar index, as I understand it, below 99. And as I was preparing for our show today, actually right before we went on the show, I see a 98.64 handle for the dollar index. Do you think this uh, marks the start of a prolonged bear market for the dollar, or do you do you want to see uh, more confirmation, perhaps by uh, with a monthly close below? I want 99? the monthly close. Yes, that's. Yeah. Uh, I really do. I want the monthly close uh, <clears throat> at the, below that level, and we've been looking at. We identified that number late last year. The dollar index has now three times danced upon that level. Uh, once approached it in February, didn't touch it, rallied sharply, came back slightly under it. In uh, March, rallied back up, and now is more a little more deeply below 99 than at any time in the year. I still want a monthly close there or lower, or trade as low as 99 even on cash dollar index. The main function here is the euro. Um, we put out a report prior to the French election results on Sunday, so in the afternoon our time, and prior to the closing of the election, they're saying that 
Probably it's a stay-the-course type result, meaning Macron will win, uh, will be of the two finalists, which he was, of course, and this was not Mm -hmm. a great surprise. But the odds are that he will win the May election because uh, forces will coalesce behind him and probably give him enough edge to beat Le Pen. Uh, Things are in flux in the world, but on the other hand, these numbers are are pretty, pretty heavy. Uh, they're not marginal. We're not talking 5% difference. We're probably talking mm-hmm. 10 and 20% difference. So let's assume we stay the course with Macron, meaning you stay the course with a guy who's a statist, uh, whose support comes from the middle and the left. Uh, he's not, not affiliated with the party, but on the other hand, he doesn't want to change anything, really. And right. so it's more of the same. And, of course, that's what the investors in the stock market would like to see, uh, especially in Europe, is, oh, gosh, let's don't break the EU up. Let's don't even threaten or talk about it. Let's, let's stay the course. And right. so with that reassurance, uh, the euro is rallying. And we expected the euro to rally. It is the heaviest weighted currency within the dollar index, and it had to be the factor that moved. And it has. It's moved up uh, about three points since the election. It's well over 109 now. It's approaching 110. Um, but the dollar index needs to be, it's the key. Uh, I want that 99 or lower monthly close. If I see it at that point, MSA uh, goes uh, to major negative on the dollar index. And we think the wave effects of that, not day by day, minute by minute, or even week by week, but it, in general should be beneficial to the gold market, to commodities in general, and to an asset class shift <clears throat> favoring those markets. Right. Well, certainly we've seen... Um Gold take the opposite move the last you know the first two days of this week days, anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's largely a function of <clears throat> gold had just produced a straight six week up move, lower uh, higher lows each week, higher highs each week, had had had, had produced a dramatic rally from the late lows of, of last year mm-hmm. after having poised just below twelve fifty for repeatedly couldn't get above it on a weekly close. Finally, did it and unleashed. So just on a technical basis, just look at the price charts. You have yeah. so many up weeks in a row, um, and, and therefore, let's have a breather. Um, mm. And therefore, I think that that is the dominant factor there, not the, dismissing the euro strength with the dollar weakness. I think that'll assist gold later on. Right. Well, just to give our listeners some sense of where you think, what's some key uh, downside risk numbers or, say, support numbers for gold might be now? If it, What would cause you to change your mind if we saw anything? Well, how it, far it, would it, gold have to drop? I have a problem with that in that the clarity of things below the market, meaning things that if you broke it look bad, I can't find many. That's, that's the problem with gold. Uh-huh. But I, in general, thought that, you know, uh, 1250 should be support. It was resistance on the way up. We spent uh, three or four weeks trying to mount a weekly close above that level. And when we finally did, we went up and approached almost 1300 So I, I'm assuming that uh, you know, the next day or so, 1250 should be about the lower end. We've been in the below 1265 today. Uh, so we're about 30 bucks off the recent high. Uh, so I think the support's probably just below us. Uh, mm-hmm. The problem is I do not have anything major below me that says, oh, you broke something very bad. Uh, and, and normally we function that way, momentum structural analysis before it ascertains a, a trend change. We want to see some structure broken that, that looks meaningful. So right. When you look at the momentum chart, you see something that's, that's really being broken. And right now gold's just pulling back in a void. Yeah. There's not really anything being broken. It's just a pullback. So yeah. I, I think it's best to treat it that way. Well, I think um, from my perspective as one who's invested in gold mining shares, 
the markets, the, the shares have taken quite a quite a hit the last few days, more than the yeah. gold, I think, percentage-wise, might be a good time. If you have that kind of assurance that we're near a bottom, it might be a good entry point uh, for people that haven't been in. Just with uh, two minutes left, Michael, uh, stocks seem to be defying gravity now. Is that this sort of risk-on, again, idea yeah. since mm-hmm. everything is mm-hmm. status the, quo the in Europe. election made them confident again. Plus there's yeah. talk that, you know, they're going to get something done in Washington and all that and so forth. There's a lot of hopes, and, and many of which may turn out to be true and, and, and some not. But there's a, there's a fundamental thing factor here that people have to put into place. It's also evident on technicals. And that is that if the S&P were starting up with fresh, brand-new, hopeful uh, horizon based on tax cuts and so forth, but we yeah. were down at 1100 area. That's one issue. But right. from 2011 to 2015, the central bank put the market up deliberately. Right. Therefore, we've got many hundreds of points below the market that have been created out of central bank policy, not out of real-world events. So the right. question is, does that void below us, that pay, bought and paid for by the central bank, uh, uh, part of the bull market, does that need to be cleansed out at some point, regardless mm. of all the good, supposed good news at this end? Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a huge question mark. Yeah. Well, and one I, would think, I, I think the answer, those of us who believe in free markets and, and the laws of nature would argue that that's what needs to happen. But then, uh, yeah, and maybe eventually it will, but how long will it take? And this is where your work is so valuable to me, Michael, because you're watching this thing day by day. Uh, and giving us a sense of where those breakage points are and when we need to change our thinking. So it's very helpful. I want to thank you again for being with us. Again, folks, it's uh, OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com. Thank you, Michael, for being with us. And uh, one last thought, perhaps. Did you have something else you wanted to say? Uh, No, uh, anybody would like, uh, if they go to our site uh, and if they look around and look, check out the rates, see if they're too high. We we are a fairly pricey uh, report. We put out a lot of research. Uh, But if the price doesn't look uh, out of your pocket, uh, ask for some samples. We're happy to supply them. And there's a a box there you can fill out and uh, we'll send you some sample reports so you can familiarize yourself more closely with what we do. That's a very good idea. And I would recommend, uh, folks, you do that. Well, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away because as soon as we come back, Ralph Fitch, uh, CEO of TriMetals Mining, will be with us. And that is a very exciting story, one that I've invested in and one that I've recommended to my subscribers as well. So I hope you'll stick around to listen to what Ralph Fitch has to say. Foreign Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Foreign is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over $200 million. Kelson Resources is building a new gold mine in Durango State that is destined to become one of the highest grade gold producers in Mexico. 
Telson plans to commence production in early 2018 to mine over 1,000 tons per day by the end of the first year. Telson presents an exciting opportunity to investors seeking to position themselves in an exciting and robust new undervalued gold mine opportunity. Telson Resources trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under symbol TSN and on the OTCBB under symbol SOHFF. TriMetals Mining is a growth-focused mineral exploration company exploring and developing its near-surface Gold Springs Gold Silver Project in mining-friendly Nevada and Utah. TriMetals has only drilled less than 10% of the gold targets at Gold Springs, and it already has a gold resource with a robust preliminary economic assessment. TriMetals believes that with further drilling, there is a significant potential to discover 3 to 5 million ounces of gold at Gold Springs. TriMetals shares are listed on the OTCQX and the TSX under symbols TMIAF and TMI respectively, and its website is TriMetalsMining.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really glad to have with me once again Ralph Fitch, the CEO of TriMetals Mining, Inc. And Ralph is an experienced veteran with over 50 years of international exploration uh, management with uh, companies that are very well-known, household-name companies. I don't want to spend too much time reading his impressive bio, but it is posted at the Voice America Business Channel if you're interested uh, suffice it to say that he's been very successful with many different discoveries uh, or a part of discoveries uh, on many different places. On So he's working on still another one right now, and that's what we want to talk to him about. So thanks for joining me today, Ralph. Thank you, and thanks for having me on the show. Always good to have you on the show. And I should mention before we get started, uh, the website is Trimetals Mining trimetalsmining.com so people can go there and learn a lot more than we'll be able to talk about today in the 12-15 minutes we have before us now. Well, Ralph, um, you already, your your project there is called the, the Gold Springs Project and it straddles the, uh, the border of Nevada and Utah. You already have done a lot of work there. You have a preliminary economic study that was carried out on that project and it looked pretty robust. Um, although I know that you're working on increasing the resource and the grade, what can you tell us about, but maybe first of all, just tell our listeners, those that may not be familiar with your project, tell us a little bit about, about the project and about its, uh, the economic study that was carried out in the past. Sure. Yeah, no, that'd be, uh, I'd really like to do that. So Gold Springs is the sort of focus of TriMetals Mining and, uh, Actually, our stock symbol is TMI in Toronto and TMIAF in the USA. And what we have is about a 30 square kilometer, uh, sorry, 30 square mile area uh, that straddles the border of Nevada and Utah. 
And within it, there's a lot of areas of uh, outcropping uh, gold mineralization. And we've done about 237 holes in that area at the moment. And the uh, resource that we uh, recently updated, we have about 700,000 ounces of uh, gold equivalent uh, at about 0.7 grams per ton. Mm -hmm. uh, that includes about uh, half a million ounces in the MNI uh, category, gold ounces. Mm -hmm. And we think the property has the potential. This, you know, it's a very large property, and we probably only drilled maybe 10% of what we think are the pretty obvious uh, gold targets. And while we were doing this, we thought it'd be useful for investors to sort of know that uh, what we were drilling was economic. So we did, a, I would call it a sort of a demonstration economic study, PEA, mm -hmm. uh, for a 48,000 uh, ounce per year project. So we're hoping, of course, uh, in the next couple of years to have a much, much larger resource and, and therefore would be hoping to develop a much larger mine than that. But what the PEA did show uh, was even at a relatively small scale, 15,000 tons a day, it made 137 million pre-tax, 92 million after-tax with a rate of return of uh, around 50% pre-tax, 35.8 mm. after-tax. So mm -hmm. pretty solid project. And uh, cash costs are uh, pretty respectable, about six sixty nine. Uh huh. Well, and I know that you're that as you said, you're you've only drilled about maybe ten percent of the prospective target of this thirty square mile property. Uh, and you know, I I saw a very impressive drill result come out that you the headline result on March 29th. You, um, or no, I was actually in January, I believe it was. 150 meters of uh, of a gram, which is a pretty darn good hole that was drilled. Now this was drilled somewhere I think uh, uh, one and a half kilometers south of the present resource area, Ralph. So, is this an area of, of focus? And and maybe you can update us on what your drill results have been achieving, and uh, what you might be expecting going forward. Yeah. So, the this as I said, it was a, it's a very large property, and there's probably one sort of chunk of the property that is sort of easy to describe, and it's all on the Utah side. And it's a north-south uh, zone about uh, five and a half kilometers long uh, in uh, Utah, and we call it the Jumbo Trend. And most of our resources uh, prior to the recent update uh, were at the northern end of this trend, so sort of mm -hmm. north Jumbo. And mm -hmm. the drilling uh, you're talking about, Jay, was at the towards the southern end in South Jumbo, near an old uh, historic mine called the Etna. Mm -hmm. And uh, we put eight holes in there. Uh, we just obtained a quarter section of state land in that area, and so this was our sort of first drilling in this part of the uh, world, as it were. And uh, our best hole, we got 150 meters of one gram. Uh, gold equivalent. And, and what's really important, one is it's long, and two, it's good grade, and three, it ended still in the mineralization. Hmm. So we have a good chance, we think, because of the geophysics uh, that is a very useful tool in this area to uh, sort of show us where to drill. Uh, geophysics suggests that it could be a lot wider, and, hmm. and so, so does the drill hole. So 
you know, when we start drilling again this year, probably uh, sometime in May with any luck, um, then we will uh, sort of drill that area initially and see if we've got a really large uh, block of ore in that area alone. Mm. And and when is is this something you'll be doing eminently, like within the next several months or what? Well, I think that we're hoping to get started in May. We've been doing uh, all the permitting. You know, that's one of the things we do on this property because we think so much of it is we're sort of pushing the permitting towards so one could uh, sort of move into mining quickly. You know, mm-hmm. we've done things like pick up uh, 2,600 uh, acre feet of water. So we have the water, uh, which is obviously an important thing in Nevada, Utah. Uh, but we have enough water for a major operation. And uh, we do all the studies of the sort of the birds and the bees and the plants uh, to make sure that we're ready to move forward when we sort of pull the trigger. Your um, geometry, of course, is always very important in any mining operation. But when you're looking at an open pit, target like you're talking about, I guess that could be very exciting. If it's wider, much wider than anticipated, that means you have the potential to pile on a lot of ounces, potentially, I guess. No, correct. And, uh, you know, if it's nice and sort of wide or fat and long, uh, then you're going to be digging more ore and less waste rock around the sides. Exactly. Very good. Well, so would you say that that is one of the primary drivers then, is your exploration area in that in that particular area? What else yeah, might I you think, be doing yeah, going forward this yeah, year? So, exploration? Yeah, so uh, we're, this year uh, we, we have to do some funding, um, and we're sort of looking at our sort of different options to do that, to do a really major program this year. Uh-huh. But the idea would be to try and drill out this jumbo trend I'm talking about in Utah, and then uh, use one drill rig to look on the Nevada side at some of the newer targets uh, that we haven't uh, done much work on yet, but that look very similar from a geophysical and geological point of view. But the main driver probably this year is going to be to try and drill out that jumbo trend where we think we've got a good shot at uh, two to three million ounces just in that trend alone. Uh-huh. Interesting. Well, interesting. And I noticed that on March 29th, you reported uh, that you have increased your resource by, I think, by 22% or something like that. And the grades are a bit higher, too. Is that the way it's looking at this stage? Can you give us an update on that? Maybe compare the grades and the amount of um, the amount of ore, not ore, the amount of material that you've resource that you have there compared to what you have now, perhaps. Well, you mentioned uh, yeah, yeah okay ahead. so actually that that's a, a really good sort of follow on to the drilling we've been doing at Southern Jumbo where the grade is uh, considerably better than our overall average grade and you know as we were saying it, it appears to be much thicker as well so we think that will be a, a major driver uh, for value as we uh, drill out that uh, block of ore and in the recent uh, resource update we increased our overall uh, average grade from 0.45 to 0.55 grams per ton of of gold and uh, up to 0.7 grams uh, gold equivalent. So -hmm. this is extremely, uh, why it's so important is that that is now a grade that is very comparable to other deposits in Nevada. And so, you know, we're building ounces now that are very equivalent to any other mine that's uh, in operation in Nevada. So we think this is a big step for us. 
Ralph, you know, you uh, you mentioned you're going to have to raise some money, and I noticed today the shares are down a bit, selling at 22 cents. Uh, always, as an investor, I'm concerned about dilution. Yeah. Um, might might you bring in? Uh, is it a possibility you have an open mind with regard to joint ventures, or, or how are you going to do this? Because you have 156 million shares out, and I know that doesn't necessarily matter. It, it's all relative. If you've got a a very large multi-million, very robust, uh, very large multi-million ounce project that is extremely robust, who cares? Really, it, it's all relative. But it's it's still a concern among junior mining companies. How do you plan to try to minimize that dilution? Yeah, no, uh, again, a very good question. Of course, as a, an explorer, a junior explorer, uh, you, you don't uh, make money. You have to raise money to find the ounces. Uh, and we've been doing that at $10 an ounce, which is a very respectable number. Sure. And uh, in terms of financing, we, we try and be clever about it. Uh, we obviously don't like dilution either. I'm a pretty major shareholder myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're looking uh, or can look at sort of the retail approach using a big investment bank or maybe uh, sometimes one can find a, a corporate entity or something that has an interest. Uh, they might give you a slightly higher price. Uh, so we're looking at all those sorts of ways uh, to try and minimize any dilution uh, to our existing shareholders. But you make a really good point. There's bad dilution and there's good dilution. If, if we uh, dilute and through it uh, find, uh, let's say, a million ounces more of gold or something, uh, the share price is going to go up. So the value to the investors is quite clear. Well, the share price is certainly going to go up if you can improve on an already robust pr- pr- preliminary economic assessment. Uh, the, you, you quoted the numbers, very robust numbers, and with higher grades and more ore, uh, you would think uh, you could probably increase uh, increase it very substantially. I misspeak when I say ore, don't I, Ralph? We're not supposed to call it ore until we know it's economic, and we don't know it's economic until you're actually producing. So, uh, we, we, yeah, we no, I think the, the the rules in Canada say you have to have done a uh, a pre feasibility study, not just a PEA or preliminary economic assessment. Right. What, so before you can call it all, but yeah, uh, well, I, 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 yeah. as I say, I misspoke for people that yeah. may not be familiar with the with the rules of the game, and we don't want to mislead people to think you've got something you don't have. But it is it does look like a very good project, Ralph. We're just about out of time. Anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners? No, I think the there's going to be some powerful drivers this year. Uh, if we are successful and move forward with this major drill program, much larger than. Uh, we've ever planned before and uh, uh, continue to be successful, then I think you will see a significant increase in valuation of the company. So I think it's a a really good stock to follow. And, uh, you know, the gold price a little soft at the moment, maybe a good time to look at it. Yeah, I think that could very well be the case. Ralph, um, when do you expect you might have an announcement about your drill program? Uh, hopefully uh, in early May, um, I would hope. Certainly okay. by the middle of May, I would hope. Yep. All right, Ralph. And, and I'm really hoping to, to meet up with you, although you indicated uh, before the show today you may not be able to make that. You have some uh, some important people potentially visiting the project. But I, if, you, if not, I hope to see you or your colleagues up at uh, the Metals Investor Forum, and we tell our listeners to go there. 
uh, to hear the story there as well. Yes, we will. It'll either be myself or Matias Herrero, our CFO, is very familiar with the company and the project. Uh, so either one of us will be there for sure, and All right. uh, we appreciate being asked. Very good, Ralph. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks every for being with us again and. We'll look forward to keeping up with your story. It is an exciting story, so thank you very much. Well, folks, uh, we do have to take a break now. Don't go away, though, because Peter Granich will be with us when we return. Novo Resources focuses on the exploration and development of gold projects. Its flagship asset is the Beaton's Creek Gold Project in Western Australia, where it is currently upgrading and expanding on its resources to produce an economic study in Q3 2017, followed by construction in Q1 2018. Novo enjoys a strong balance sheet and supportive shareholder support from the likes of Eric Sprott and Newmont Mining. It trades in Canada and the U.S. under the symbols NVO and NSRPF, respectively. Dynasert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by up to 40%, increase torque, improve engine oil quality, and provide up to 19% in fuel savings. Our leading-edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Reducing the amount of greenhouse gases provides benefits to the environment, to communities and businesses, and to our shareholders. Our Vista Gold's only asset is the Douay Gold Project, which is located in northern Quebec. The Douay Project currently hosts an NI43101 resource of approximately 3 million ounces of gold and is considered to be the largest undeveloped and independent gold project in Quebec. Our Vista has significant upside potential to further grow its resources and is currently undergoing an extensive 2017 drill campaign. Our Vista Gold trades on the TSXV under the symbol AVA and on the OTCQB under the symbol ARVSF. For more information on Arvista, please visit arvistagold.com. Uranium Energy Corps, NYSE Market, UEC, is a leader in the coming bull market in uranium. With spot uranium up more than 40% in two months, the new bull market is just starting. UEC has the cash, the licensed resources, the permitted processing center, the advanced technology, and the experienced team to lead this market. Get to know this exciting company now by visiting uraniumenergy.com. NYSE Market, UEC. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have with me once again Peter Granich, also known as the former Wall Street whiz kid. You know, as the world seems closer perhaps to World War III than any time since the Cuban Missile Crisis, caused in no small part, in my view, because of the financial mess that humankind has uh, created, 
And by printing endless amounts of money, debt-based money, uh, I do want to talk with you about uh, what the number one selling book of all time, the Bible, has to say about money and finance. But before we discuss uh, Peter Granich's publication, which is a, an excellent little booklet I highly recommend, called A Biblical Perspective on Matters of Finance, uh, I do want to ask Peter to get a little bit about his uh, perspective on the current markets. Um, you know, Peter, you uh, you put out a, a nice little uh, blog here uh, uh, talking about the gold price. Would you like to, to get into that a little bit now? Sure. So while not in the business and certainly not for uh, financial reward, uh, I still uh, look at the markets uh, for myself and share that uh, with those clients and interested parties who still read my blog. It's certainly not a, an advisory service like it used to be, and nor do I tell people to view it as such. But uh, I have said throughout this year since uh, coming back on your show that uh, I felt the gold market was in the best possible uh, position it's been in in a couple of decades and felt that we were just at the start of a very long, it won't be as rapidly up, but uh, uh, perhaps could end up being the biggest bull market of all time. So I've taken that position and I still kind of talk about it not the daily or even weekly like I used to when my grandish letter existed, but nevertheless, this past uh, Thursday or Friday, uh, because I still do my own technical work, even though it's that I still got to pay $2 for a cup of coffee with it, I uh, told my readers that it looked like we could have a very quick pullback to what had been for quite a long time, a resistance area at the 1260-1265 area. And uh, yeah. certainly enough between yesterday and today, uh, as we speak, uh, we're seeing that. But I, but, but I believe it's strictly uh, a healthy move. Uh, I believe uh, so many things that we would have to have a six-hour show to cover all the things I think that are, that are setting up. For those that still look out multiple years, if there's any of those folks left, I think the gold market has a much uh, better upside than financial assets at this point. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, your call, a good call, um, that 1260 level is a support level. Uh, you, you predicted it was going down there. Actually, I was thinking we might see an opposite move, Peter. I thought with the dollar getting weak after the French elections that uh, gold should, should have been stronger. But in fact, of course, day-to-day -day, correlation isn't all that strong. Uh, so kudos to you, but it's that kind of uh, call that uh, attracted a lot of attention to your work in the past, and rightfully so. And, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to, to assess, you know, which way the markets are going to go. It's We don't know for sure. We're never going to know with certainty about these things, And uh, but we have to make the best judgments we can make, uh, and we're supposed to use our money wisely, and perhaps we'll get into some of those issues in a little bit, but... You know, Peter, Michael Oliver, who I've owned my show, he was on again today, uh, but he has talked about the bond market as a Judas goat. The idea behind that is that uh, rising interest rates, uh, according to the mainstream media, uh, interest rates are rising because uh, the economy is so good, according to the mainstream. And, and what uh, Michael is suggesting, uh, the Judas goat idea, 
is that the bond market is sending the wrong signal. It's, it's suggesting to people that, hey, look, interest rates are rising, but they're rising for good reasons. The market is getting stronger. Be happy about that. Not because there might be an absence of savings to support or to buy treasuries uh, to, uh, to fund the world's uh, deficits. Uh, but what is your feeling about that, Peter? The, the economy strong? Is it warranting a, a much stronger, higher interest rate? Or might interest rates rise because of a shortage of savings? What are, what are your thoughts? I think as I called in, I heard you share about something about how, you know, this unbelievable, unprecedented amount of creation of funny money. And, and to appreciate it, uh, and it was ironic that it would be a financial institution that would highlight this, but uh, last week the Bank of America uh, put out a very interesting comment and showed just between the Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank in the first four months of this year, $1 trillion was created and used to purchase financial assets by those particular uh, banks. And wow. What, what isn't being discussed, is that the vast majority of buying of paper that, let's face it, is created out of, out of thin air, too, is with other paper that's been created out of thin air. And mm-hmm. so this massive explosion of central banks' balance sheets of all these financial assets to continuously uh, attempt to support and keep talking about an economic recovery that is supposed to go into expansion, uh, but never really does. And, and part of the reason it doesn't is because much of the money that has been created, especially here in the U.S. since the QE1, went to Wall Street and not Main Street. And it's just, you know, Jay, I, somebody said to me, I don't, excuse me for saying, but I thought of you too when they said it to me. They said to me, Pete, you've been in the business 33 years. That's like a third of a century. You're an old man. And then I thought, well, Jay actually started before I did. That's but, right. <laughs> but to be to be honest, can can you phantom in all the years we've been at this that such a level of money and debt across the board, whether it's government debt, uh, personal debt, uh, inabilities to finance uh, obligations, whether they're pensions. Uh, future Social Securities, Medicare, and other types of those payments across the world are all out there. And what the public doesn't understand is there's not some asset sitting somewhere where those folks sell that so they can pay you. And it, right. it's, I don't want to say it's a shell game, but it's, it, it's been so uh, convoluted that I, I, I just don't understand how people believe there's a happy ending. Now, listen... I don't, you know, I don't have anything or any product or service that benefits by scaring people. So right. I, I'm not trying to create something so people buy a log cabin or some guns or ammo or dry food that I sell. But I sit here, and, and one of the main reasons why today of all days I chose to go uh, the, mo- the, the most aggressive short I could be in the U.S. stock market is, is because never have I seen such complacency such one-sided thinking at a time when every other conceivable metric that you and I grew up on is screaming, caution if not sell. First, valuations. Second, uh, geopolitical 
you talked about World War. I mean, we have places we have talk. We're talking about people talking using nuclear weapons in a serious right. manner, not right. not joshing around. We have uh, the Middle East. We have a thing where people don't even realize what's happening in Turkey, and what's happening in Turkey could just turn over the European Union and, and, and everything else. And it's just sure. there's so much going on, and yet there's such such complacency and and quietly and maybe you know. This will pique the conversation or uh, we're having about markets is very quietly, with no fanfare other than the usual bearish articles and comments, gold is working its way higher. And I believe that's because there's still a few smart minds in the world that see what we just discussed and are recognizing that a day is going to come that that asset is going to be tremendously in demand by those who can still afford the demand. And paper assets are going to be up, you know, the creek. And and one last answer, because I know the question was about the bond market and interest rates and so forth and so on. If not for governments creating money to buy their own bonds, interest rates would be so much dramatically higher. It has nothing to do with the economy. It has to do with the fact that we still see most of the world government paper being bought by other governments. So it, right. it, it's just really some sort of shell caboose, a convoluted game that I don't know the day when it all comes apart, but I believe you and I are still going to be around when we see that day. Please, well, God. It's, it's, it, it, could, it could very well be. Uh, what I'm convinced of now, Peter, is that QE has not, has not ended that there is a QE of some source from some place, some central banks, as you say, that trillion dollars created by the Bank of Japan. And, and who else did you say? What other bank? European Central Bank. The European Central Bank. So w- within just a short period of time. And, uh, you know, there is a study that I just show, uh, just saw that showed that uh, foreigners now are net, exit, are net exiting from U.S. Treasuries. The Social Security Trust Fund is reducing dramatically now because we're getting older and they have to pay out and not as much as going in. And so uh, there is this huge buyer it's called Other of Treasuries. It's the largest single domestic buyer, $745 billion over the last two years. The Treasury doesn't tell us who that is, but I have a sneaking suspicion that it could very well be you know, one of those foreign banks. Anyway, uh, geopolitics, you touched on that. I, I think it's very alarming. We have this notion that we can create wealth out of thin air, uh, and and frankly, I think what we really have, I think it is a shell game, Peter, and I think it is a dishonest shell game that redistributes wealth away from those who work hard, play by the rules, and are honest citizens to the people that control the system, and I, I suspect that that's what's going on uh, geopolitically. As a matter of fact, I want to run this idea by you. This was something that Alistair McLeod uh, passed on to his readers recently, and it comes from some of the thinking in China. Now, you know, you mentioned you think gold is going to go to going to be worth an awful lot of money. So do the Chinese, and so do the Russians, and and um, uh, and so they are building up their gold reserves like crazy. But uh, just this notion that what the United States needs constantly is a crisis somewhere to drive savings back into the treasury so we can finance ourselves. I'll just leave it at that. But that's uh, this this writer from China, this, this economist, put this out there, and Alistair McLeod is basically saying he thinks it's correct. The motives may be somewhat wrong or, or, or but distorted, but that seems to be what happens. 
You had the Latin American crisis, the Asian crisis, and now they think uh, it's that's China and the Asian another Asian crisis and war and all of that. But anyway, you know, Peter, you and I are believers uh, in the Creator of the universe, and it's in His hands. Um, and all of these evils that are going on, including theft, which is really what the government does it, when it prints money, and the central banks do, they print money, uh, and they redistribute wealth, and they create enormous amounts of harm. Uh, I believe, uh, although human beings are what what they are, and you and I know as as Christians that we are also not above blame. We have, you know, we we look at ourselves and realize that that we are just like everybody else. We're sinners, and we do things that aren't that aren't good. Uh, but we are believers, and we know that there is an answer uh, to our to our problems. And uh, actually, you know, the best selling book ever in history is the Bible, and it has an awful lot to say about money and you've pre- you've created a very a very i think succinct um, account of of what the bible says about money and frankly if people followed that including myself if i followed it more more carefully i would be a much happier person but you know and very interesting in the early parts of this at the first page of your booklet you ran you you reported on a survey and you ask what money can buy and most people recognize it. It isn't going to buy happiness or love. You know, it buys freedom. It buys excitement. It's less stress. Those are the ideas. It doesn't buy happiness, does it, Peter? But we know, you and I know, um, that there are ways to gain happiness, and it certainly isn't by fighting and clawing our ways to wealth, right? Yes, and, and to understand, and uh, you know, people that are not believers um, think the the Bible is a book of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. If you do this, you're going to get this. When it's actually a book of do's. And what's interesting about it is the Bible contains over 700 direct references about money, including the majority of the parables. And one out of every six verses in the Gospel concerns itself with the right and wrong use of possessions and money. So it clearly states that spirituality must go in hand in hand with matter of money, but so few people are willing to talk about that, and as soon as you do, a lot of non-believers get turned off. But it, it teaches that God is only the true provider, and you have to honor Him and be good stewards. And so, uh, you know, that's why the booklet, you know, was created. It, you know, we describe what money's about. If you don't mind, I, there's a there's a great little short tale that we put in the booklet, and, and I like to use it for the non-believers particularly because it it makes them think more and then want to read the booklet. And it it, it was something that Henry Ford once did. Henry Ford had an employee uh, who said his absolute number one goal then was to make a million dollars, and of course back then a million dollars was a lot a lot of money. Yes. So Ford actually gave the man a pair of glasses made of two silver dollars. He then asked the man, well, what do you see? And the man answered, nothing. The dollars are in the way. And Ford told him, when dollars are your only goal, you miss a host of great opportunities. And Henry Ford, for those that ever, and I read up a lot about him and all, was a, a good man, uh, although wealthy, um, did not get caught up in this thirst for money. And that's why... Jesus said one of the most, you know, known uh, quotes when it comes to money in Jesus that you both you can't serve both God and money. No one can have two masters. And uh, he knew what the problems would be. He knew what people would, would, would go through. 
that's why he spent over, you know, 16 of the 38 parables deal directly about matters of money. It's the second most topic, and uh, he's told so many things through Scripture. And one of the things, by the way, that you cannot find a positive verse in the whole Bible about debt. If you want to talk about uh, a, a four-letter word to God, it is debt, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, and, and, the, and the problems we have in it. And you and I both know, since we've been in the business, the world has become increasingly indebted. When you and I started, the United States was a credited nation. It was the world's largest credited nation. Right. And uh, the gold standard and those things kind of kept politicians in check, but once they were taken away and fiat money became the rule of the world, uh, it's allowed politicians to do what we're facing here. And and Scripture has a lot of that and the warnings and, and problems that arise from that, Jay. And then I know we don't have, you know, time and all to, you know, spend in it, but if maybe people can either uh, visit you and you can put a link, or if they come to uh, com, if they just go to download. So just go to petergrandage.com, go to the download section and file down and you'll see this booklet there. You can read it online. You don't even have to give us an email. We'll never know you did it. Uh, We wouldn't even know you're there. But it's such an important thing now, I think. And certainly where I feel whatever time left I have on the earth that I've been called to focus on at a time when realistically, uh, you know, Less and less people are focusing on the good Lord and certainly far less tying into how they handle money and tithing and all the things that matter regarding possessions. Yeah, there's an interesting story in the book about Jean Paul Getty uh, and and his story about how he uh, wasn't willing, when his uh, grandson was kidnapped, he wasn't willing uh, to part with a million dollars to let him go. a very interesting story. I mean, uh, Getty, uh, to him, a million dollars was like, probably like a hundred dollars to me. Uh, but, um, you know, he wasn't going to let it go, huh? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, there are so many stories in Scripture. The rich man story uh, is among most of favorites. You know, he comes to uh, meet Jesus. He says he wants to get in the club. They tell him, what does he got to do? Well, he got to do the commandments. He says, I've done all that. Uh, and then Jesus basically says, and I tie it into a 21st century way, he says, listen, go go have a garage sale and whatever you don't sell, put on eBay, then take all the money and give it to the poor and follow me. Yeah. <laughs> and it says that the rich man goes away sad. And theologians have debated why and so forth. But how I view it is, I, I, I think what why he went away sad is he couldn't adapt a, perhaps one of the slogans that I've tried so hard in recent years to live by for Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa said, it's not how much we give that matters, it's the amount of love in the giving that matters. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter that you have to be wealthy in order to help others, and it's not that you gave a big donation, but even if you gave the littlest of donation in terms of dollar value, but you did it with all your love, God views that as a much better than, you know, someone who stands up and, you know, is very wealthy and let's make sure everybody see that I'm, you know, doing this act and want to get all sorts of credit for it. And that's why, again, there's so many books have come and gone, Jay. I mean, thousands, if not tens of thousands of books have been written about matters of money, and they've come and gone. 
but somehow the, the number one red book of all time in history is still around, and matters of money and finance is one of its primary subjects. Uh, it's a very short booklet that you can read. Uh, one of the things we can do, as you mentioned, Peter, it's it's how it's it's where our heart is, not what we do, and using the gifts that God has given us for the right purposes. And and one of the gifts that He's given us is time. Although, as I look at the hour clo- uh, the, um, the the hourglass, my time is running out as a seventy year old guy. But time and how we use that and. We can use the time, and sometimes I think we give up our time because we want to make money, and we forget to love our family and those around us. Peter, we're just about out of time. One last word uh, for 30 seconds. Well, again, I, I speak about that book, too. I, I just like to say people, I normally, you know me, I don't like to tout anything in my but if you can go to petergranich.com, if ever you're going to read anything I've written, it's called The Biblical Perspective on Matters of Finance. It's in the download section. It's something to take. It's something also to give to others that you care about. And I think the time has come because where the world is heading to is that if we're going to be in the matters of world, the finance and all, we really have to be with the king of kings who really understands money better than anybody that's ever worked, walked on the earth. Amen to that, Peter. We do have to go. We're out of time. Folks, that is it for this week. Next week, uh, Christopher Whalen will be with me, Jim Payne of Dinosert, and hopefully Michael Oliver as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Dinosert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by up to 40%, increase torque, improve engine oil quality, and provide up to 19% in fuel savings. Our leading-edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Reducing the amount of greenhouse gases provides benefits to the environment, to communities and businesses, and to our shareholders. Our Vista Gold's only asset is the Douay Gold Project, which is located in northern Quebec. The Douay Project currently hosts an NI43101 resource of approximately 3 million ounces of gold and is considered to be the largest undeveloped and independent gold project in Quebec. Our Vista has significant upside potential to further grow its resources and is currently undergoing an extensive 2017 drill campaign. Our Vista Gold trades on the TSXV under the symbol AVA and on the OTCQB under the symbol ARVSF. For more information on Arvista, please visit arvistagold.com. Trimetals Mining is a growth-focused mineral exploration company exploring and developing its near-surface Gold Springs Gold Silver Project in mining-friendly Nevada and Utah. Trimetals has only drilled less than 10% of the gold targets at Gold Springs, and it already has a gold resource with a robust preliminary economic assessment. Trimetals believes that with further drilling, there is a significant potential to discover 3 to 5 million ounces of gold at Gold Springs. Trimetals shares are listed on the OTCQX and the TSX under symbols TMIAF and TMI respectively, and its website is trimetalsmining.com.